Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. How about it? Welcome in Tuesday, December 12, 2023. It's time for the Gabe Coon Show. I am your host. Former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman Gabe Kuhn on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That's Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, what's the word, brother? Just getting ready for these fantasy football playoffs. That's all I'm getting ready for. Okay, so how how are you doing? I know no one cares about our fantasy teams, but we're going to talk about it anyway. The 929 league's kind of interesting. Yes, I, I made it by the skin. You of made team. it by the skin. Was of it, team. Was, was, so you're the last seed. To I get lost in. my last week of the season. Ended seven and seven, and I'm the sixth seed. Did I get in because of my points four? Is maybe, that how that maybe works? I'm not sure. We, we'd have breaker? to ask. We'd have to ask Ben. Yeah, we need to know what the commish, what the commish made the tiebreaker. Because Lord knows I was very close. I only had like 75 points in the final week of the season. I am not trending in the correct direction, but you know what? All I need is a chance. Get me into those offs Listen, and all give I know me an opportunity, is baby. Our show has a chance to retain possession of the championship belt, and that's all that matters to me. I want to win it for sure, but if I don't, I'm rooting for you. And thank God we don't have to play each other in the first round. I'm not rooting for you until I'm knocked out. Exactly. I think so, that's fair. Okay. The long as we're on the same. Yeah, it's like it's like how I'm rooting for the Red Sox all the time, but if they get knocked out, I'm a Cardinals guy. Yeah. <laughs> is that true? Yes. Really? Yeah. That is such a weird fandom. Like, why? That, <laughs> why is that weird? All Cardinals ha- fans hate Red Sox. Yeah, hate the Red like, Sox and the Red Sox. Why would fans? the Red Sox hate y'all when we beat you every time? That's a good point. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. Happy Tuesday. Anyway, three hours of talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. Connor, yeah, I know I did. Whatever. I don't want to hear about it. Now, we're going to open this this first hour. Naquan Tomlin, Penny Hardaway. How do you do it, man? Like, I, 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 I know that we have a show, Jason and John. They call him the godfather. Probably a good reason they do that. But what he was able to do in securing a commitment from Naquan Tomlin just about a week or two after he got dismissed by Kansas State. He takes a visit here, and immediately upon arriving, it felt like he was going to commit. He ends up committing, and it's a huge addition to the front court. We'll talk about that as well as the Grizzlies' loss last night. Um, the score looked a whole lot better than it actually was. It was 120-113, to 113, uh, the loss they took to the Mavs to drop to 6-16. Six and 16. Um, but there was some positives, some negatives to take away from it. My overwhelming positive, though, Jaron Jackson Jr., the scoring streak he's on is pretty fun to watch. 
It's really fun to watch. It reminds me of last year when John Morant went out. He had a nice 15 to 25 game stretch of really good offensive basketball, and he's starting to do that again. So that is definitely something to pay attention to. But the loss is not good. And now we're going to have to talk about sort of what the Grizzlies are going to do when all these injuries and, and, and guys that have been excluded, John Morant, Luke Kennard, Marcus Smart, when they come back, how is this roster going to move around? There's going to have to be a consolidation move. They're going to have to figure out what they want to do with Bismack Biombo and uh, uh, Jalen Noel. They're going to have to figure out what they want to do with Vince Williams Jr. I'll say this. I think there's a lot of people up front that want Ju- uh, Vince Williams Jr. to get that contract um, converted into a full contract. But I think we need to push pause on that at least a tad bit. Not that I don't think Vince Williams Jr. is deserving of that. But there is a reason. There is a reason that you don't need to immediately convert his contract. Um, also on the show today, we'll talk about the transfer portal as we get into the Blitz. Um, there's a lot of commitments. Dylan Gabriel to Oregon. We had Riley Leonard commit to Notre Dame, two quarterbacks that are going to change the fortunes of those programs going into next year. Um, uh, the Tigers are involved, and a guy named Mario Anderson, who is a uh, running back, at uh, uh, South Carolina, but he's very wanted. Did you see his top three schools, Connor? Have you seen this this news? Mario Anderson ran for 700 yards, leading rusher at South Carolina last year. He's down to three schools, and tell me which one's not like the other. Oklahoma, USC, and Memphis. <laughs> Oklahoma, USC, and Memphis are the final three, but we'll have a lot on that, as well as uh, I want to tell you why when we get to the Blitz. The Shohei Otani contract and the deferred money Mentioned a little yesterday, but I'll tell you why it's bad for baseball. It's just not a good thing for Major League Baseball at this moment. And I, I hope something can be done, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Take a trip around the NFL at 5.30. And as far as guests are concerned, 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins from the Jeff Calkins Show. Um, and the Daily Memphian, a little bit of jaw news with the, the, the court, uh, the hearing and everything else. So where, where we saw a bunch of people testify, including jaw. We'll talk about that. Um, as well as Naquan Tomlin, Grizzlies, and uh, Christian Fowler, um, my co-host on the on the Bluff podcast and senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. He'll join at 6 o'clock as is customary on a Tuesday. But we have to start Naquan Tomlin to the University of Memphis. I, I, I Immediately, my first reaction is Penny Hardaway. What he does under pressure, what he is able to do, on the transfer portal, his complete adaptation to the transfer portal, it's something that needs to be commended every single time. Time and time again, he has shown us that when he needs a player, what does he do, Connor? He goes and gets that damn player. We have Jordan Brown news out. He was out as of last Friday. Now, they're standing by the fact that they that nothing has changed with Jordan Brown, whatever. I, that's, that's beyond the point. But Naquan Tomlin's name appears in the transfer portal, and what does Penny do? 6'10", 230 pounds, runs the floor, 10 points per game, 6 rebounds per game last year, over a block per game, over a steal per game, over an assist per game. And Penny Hardaway brings him to the city of Memphis, sits him down at the Grizzlies-Mavs game, and what do we get this morning? A commitment from him. And he's immediately eligible because he is a grad transfer. He just graduated from Kansas State. So this is a guy where you had a need in the front court in the middle of the season, nine games into the season, because Jordan Brown is not up to snuff, and Penny Hardaway finds a guy that fits better, that gives you the production you need immediately, and he has experience in college basketball. He was in the Elite Eight last year. 
It's amazing. Not only can we start to make the case, if the case hasn't already been made resoundingly, that Penny Hardaway is the transfer portal king, we're absolutely 100%. He is at the top of the list when it comes to coaches and college basketball that can adapt and change and move on the fly. He kept a scholarship open this offseason for something like this to happen, and it, and it happened. And he ends up using it nine games into the season on a guy that will immediately make an impact and raise the floor, raise the ceiling for this team tremendously. I cannot commend Penny Hardaway enough. It's pretty remarkable that they were able to pull this off this quickly. You know, Penny Hardaway deserves all the credit in the world here, and I agree with you, and, and John Martin and and Jason Smith. He, this man is the godfather of the transfer portal, and there's no way around it. When somebody hits the portal and Penny Hardaway's name gets connected to them, you have to almost assume at this point that Memphis is going to get that player. It's, it's, it's pretty nuts. What I love about this is, you know, Jordan Brown, when it was announced he was going to be on the team, we saw all the highlights, we saw his stats, things like that. There was an expectation that this guy could be the best player or at least the second or third best player on this team. And it turned out to be disappointing from what we saw. He, he wasn't in shape. He didn't fit the, how the team kind of ran. He was more of a half-court player when this team is more of a run-and-gun type, yep. type of deal. When you look at Tomlin's highlights, that is exactly what he is. He's a run-and-gun type of big man. He can move off the dribble. And you talk about the Elite Eight run that Kansas State went on. They went on that run in large part because of him. He was in he double was, figures every single game in the tournament last year. He was great in the tournament. Not only offensively, but he was really good on the boards. But defensively, we talked about it yesterday, he is an excellent defender to have down there. And I do think that he is going to raise the ceiling of this team. We talked about Jordan Brown not being on this team, lower the ceiling. You add Tomlin to it, you might surpass the ceiling that Jordan Brown had this team with. It is going to be a very good fit. And he's immediately eligible because he graduated, I think, already this week or he is later this week. Yes, he is... In my opinion, just watching his game. How exciting. It's exciting. Here's the truth of the matter. When you watch his game, there's a lot of DeAndre Williams in it. Effort, (laughs) intensity, up and down the floor, blocking shots, doing everything possible. And and the intensity is more so on the defensive end. He can still provide a lot on the offensive end. Again, 10.4 points last year for an Elite Eight team in Kansas State when you had two guys at the top in Keontae Johnson um, and, and that point guard. I, the name escapes me at this particular moment. He was a guy who averaged double figures for that team. But he brings intensity on both sides of the floor. It's the, yeah, and, he does. And I just I, – I, I can't get over the fact that Penny Hardaway was able to pull this off. And, like, I, I think it's – <laughs> I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that Penny had his coach's show at uh, uh, at Brookhaven, right? And he made it down to FedEx Forum in record time to go try to close this deal. Of course he did. It matters. It means something to him. There's no question about it. But when we look at, at what this guy will mean to this team, I think it's uh, – obviously it's yet to be seen. But if I'm doing the hindsight thing with Jordan Brown versus Naquan Tomlin, Naquan Tomlin is – a much more natural fit with this team, and I think it will be relatively seamless as compared, no question, to Jordan Brown. Yeah, and like like we talked about, I wish the best to Jordan Brown, but in the long run for the Memphis Tigers in this program, 
this may actually be the better thing to happen, not having Jordan Brown there. You bring somebody in that plays with an intensity on both sides of the court. Twenty, like it, Every single highlight you watch and tape you watch of Tomlin, that dude has a motor. And I think that that's going to be important on this team, especially on the defensive end of the basketball, where the Tigers have already been very good. And then you add a plus defender to that, to that team already. I like to see it. But I like you to see it. I don't I, the DeAndre Williams. I'm it's he it's weird. It's it, I don't see DeAndre Williams as much. I kind of just see Malco with explosion. Like that's kind of what it reminded me of when I was watching him. I was like, "Oh, if Malco had like real explosion when he moved." But, in his well, first I guess struggle. when I'm talking about DeAndre Williams, it's lesser on the offensive sure. end, although he can provide a lot on the offensive end. Not as good of a shooter by any stretch of the imagination, although he will attempt some threes. He attempted like one a game last year for Kansas State. Um but on the defensive end, that's what I see for for Naquan Thomas. He needs to be, the a athleticism, force. be a force. Athleticism, the yeah. length, the effort, the intensity he brings on that end of the floor reminds me directly of DeAndre Williams and what he provided this team. And I wonder what type of leadership. Obviously, we're talking about a guy who's coming into a, a, a program who's been very successful so far this year. Three wins against Ken Palm top 50 teams. They're 7-2. and two. It's only nine games into the season. He's going to have to... Uh, get introduced and understand what's expected of him. But I think this is a guy who can provide some leadership as the season goes along because he's been in these moments before. He's, sure. been, he's been on a very successful NCAA tournament team, good coach, good players. He knows what's expected of him in those particular moments. I think that this is a guy, as it starts to age along, is going to be a massive help in in leadership as this team sort of ages and moves through their schedule. Right. And it, just, it feels like a natural fit. You keep saying that. It, it, he really does feel like he's going to be a natural fit with the way this roster is constructed and the way that we have seen them play in their first nine games. It just feels as if Tomlin can slide in better than Jordan Brown was able to. And, and, and something that just continues to, I mean, this does show the changing landscape of college athletics continues to show it. Like, yeah. th- a, you can bring in a guy nine games into the season and he's immediately eligible to play for another team. A guy that plays for two teams, or <laughs> that theoretically could have played for two teams in the same calendar year at the college level, that's never happened in college basketball before. But this just shows the adaptability and the embrace that Penny Hardaway and this staff have of the changing landscape of college athletics. They're ready to take it. They're ready to make things happen within it. They don't see them as inhibitors, all these issues with transfer portal and NIL. They see them as things they can use to their advantage. And that's why, you know, when, when people talk about Penny Hardaway and maybe, you know, the, the sort of lack of um, on-court specialty as a coach and all that, you also have to mention the fact of the talent acquisition and what he's able to do and getting these guys to buy in on the defensive end, that's how you start and that's how you build a program in today's day and age. And, I, I mean, there is – you'd be hard-pressed to find another program that's able to pull these things off the way that this Memphis program is right now with Penny Hardaway. So, again, just commend him and commend him because this is a immediate need that they addressed immediately. And not a lot of people can do that. I want people to understand that. This is hard to do on the fly. Well, it was the absence of Jordan Brown and uh, and the big man depth would have been not devastating, but it would have been a real issue had it, he, for it, the rest of the season. It would have been a problem as you problem. got into tournament play. And they that's immediately, a problem. Penny, Penny Hardaway was like, "All right, let's get to work," and they solved it. Yeah, you got to give them all the credit in the world. All the yeah. credit. It's it's one, it's another one of those you know examples. I think, and we kind of talked about it yesterday. Why do we stop? 
underestimating Penny Hardaway. Like, at some point, people have got to stop being like, oh, we're waiting for this thing to work. It's working, yes. all right? <laughs> Penny's doing a great job. He's doing a great job at the University of Memphis. It's, and, and is there drama? The, yeah, sure. Part of it is I think that there's an older fan base that has latched onto this program, and it just looks different than it ever yeah, has. Yeah, it does. It's but a different doing look, a great and it's a job. different feel, and there's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of drama. But in the end of the day, when I look at this team this particular year, they're 7-2, and two, three wins over – uh, Michigan, Arkansas, and A&M, two wins over top 25 teams in A&M and Arkansas on a neutral site and on a, a, a road court. I don't care if they're not in the top 25. I don't care about all that. Their metrics are great, and they have a better resume than probably 95% of the country at this particular moment, and they just added a guy who's going to raise their ceiling and raise their floor. Right. There's nothing to, there's nothing to be angry about, to feel He's got a conference championship. A certain way about. He's made the tournament. He's got tournament wins. It's, what, go, it's like, going well. It's going well. Can <laughs> right? we, can, people have got to stop acting like it's. That's why the national media needs to wake. They, they need. To, they need to give this team and Penny Hardaway. And there, there does come way point, more credit. And there does come a point where I think the national media needs to stop docking right. this program for losing games that other teams lose. Yes, Villanova and Ole Miss are not the worst two losses in the world. Okay, I, I've seen FAU lose to Bryant. I've seen Arkansas lose to UNC Greensboro. I've seen USC lose to UC Irvine and Long Beach State. I've seen Michigan lose to Long Beach State. All those losses seem to get docked less than the Tigers losing to Villanova and to Ole Miss, an undefeated Ole Miss team. So we'll see how this all ages, but hell of a job. Hell of a job by the staff. Hell of a job by this program to bring in Naquan Tomlin. That is going to be a massive, massive addition for the rest of the of the year now, something that did happen um, that definitely goes under the uh, a little bit under the radar because of the Naquan Tomlin news. There was a scheduling note for the Tigers yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. They're going to play San Francisco in San Francisco before going to the Maui Invitational. Now we know about the Maui Invitational. It's going to be UConn, Auburn, North Carolina, Michigan State, Iowa State, Colorado, and Dayton. But you get that road experience before you go to Maui um, and play all those games. And I, I saw some people sort of docking and and hating on the, the San Francisco addition to this uh, to this schedule going into next year. I don't mind it in the slightest. I know you want to see the Gonzagas and all these good West Coast schools, uh, you know, add that type of thing to your resume. But this is, this is a very good mid-major team that you're going to be playing. Um, San Francisco has a really good history. They were in the tournament in 21-22. They won 20 games last year after switching uh, coaches. Todd Golden's no longer there. Uh, they have Chris Gerlovson, who's 7-3 and three so far this year. I think this is the type of addition that you look at, like the VCU game on the road this year. This is a very similar game. Now, I know how close that game was, but at the end of the day, this is a good scheduling note for the Tigers to have, ultimately. And I see people downing it. I, I understand it. You want Gonzaga. You want all those teams, but those teams have to agree to play you. I, I think it's a very good warm-up game for Maui. Yes, no question it's, about it's it. It's a good way to run into the tournament. Yep. You don't want to, you know, I understand it. Thumbs up. Yeah. Now, why Why is, and this is sort of transitioning back to the Naquan Tomlin and the, the whole roster and, and Jordan San Francisco Brown. beat Vanderbilt, by the way. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, Vanderbilt stinks this year. Yeah. But Tigers will play them. For our purposes, they're good. Yes, yes, for our purposes. <laughs> okay. But for our purposes, they're an SEC team. Um One thing that I still don't understand, though, um, and I know I just got done praising the staff and Penny Hardaway for what they've done in getting Naquan Tomlin – why do they still stand? Like it seems like there's still a standing. We saw this morning when 
Uh, they talk to the press. They're saying that Jordan Brown is still, that nothing has changed in that realm. I have heard from several different people that he's gone and that he's done an exit interview and that there's no way he plays for the Tigers the rest of the year. I don't know why they're still standing on this. I don't know if there's legal issues they have to jump through, but it feels like it feels like at some point they just need to be honest and, and, and clear that possibility out um, to, to just avoid drama and avoid moving parts. There it feels like Jordan Brown's a... gone, and it's based on what I'm hearing, he is gone, and they, they sort of keep standing on the fact nothing has changed with him. He's still sick. He's still ill. I, I, I don't really understand why they're standing by that, why Penny Hardaway keeps giving that messaging out. I, I don't have an answer for you, Gabe. <laughs> I don't have an answer for you. It, it could be very – there might be some transfer reasons or I don't know. There might just be a rule that we're unaware of that may be why they're holding it. But they also just might be wanting the, the Tomlin news to be officially official before they announce, hey, you know, there's a transaction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we added and we dropped. It's like the waiver wires. Yes, yeah, exactly. they have to wait. They, so they actually have to wait till Wednesday morning to say anything when the waiver <laughs> report comes out. I don't know. Who knows? It's it is a bit odd, but I don't know. It, at this point, I don't really care. It's Tomlin's on the team now. I don't. Yes, <laughs> that's all I care about. Yes, but it is just strange. It is. Strange. I, I I don't. I strange. don't quite understand it. Um, but, but this I, team. I also think though that the tongue in cheek, like Penny laughing a bit when the question was asked. Well, like the the assumption an there, awareness. the assumption there though, when he gives an answer like that and laughs along the way, is, you know, I maybe ha- like he hadn't heard from Jordan Brown. Maybe that's sure. the assumption that people take away from something. I haven't no. heard from Jordan Brown, so it's still the same. <laughs> that's He's not still what I sick, think. as far as I'm concerned. But from what I have been told. He knows what has happened. Yeah, he's he's talked to Jordan Brown along the way. Of course, he has. So I, I just I don't I don't quite understand sort of standing pat and acting as if he's still part of the program or uh, as a part of the fold. Maybe they're trying to work it out. That could also Maybe, be what's happening. I guess. I guess. But again. hey, if he wants to stay, thumbs up. If he wants to stay, cool. But you're not going to be starting anymore. <laughs> it's Thomas the dude now. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like. It, from a role perspective, from what we've seen from him so far, well, from what we've it heard, it, but but from a, what we've seen from him on the floor, it doesn't seem like he'd get right. A well, lot of it's Malcolm, Nick Jordan have been substantially more productive than him, and I think we we all expect Naquan Tomlin to be way more productive right. than him in a more natural fit. Well, that that's what I was about to say. From what we've we've heard from the grapevine is that you know he wasn't happy with his playing time. And the way things which were is, going, which is kind of which strange. it's, and that's not going itself. to get better with Naquan Tomlin now on the team. So you can, do you want to read the the writing on the wall? It's kind of right there. I don't expect him to be on this team moving forward. I'm not sure why the staff is it hasn't officially announced it yet or said it yet. There's probably some rule out there. They might be waiting for the Naquan Tomlin stuff to be official. They might be waiting for him to be playing his first game before they say it. Who knows? All I care about is this dude's on the team now. Yep, he's a good fit. I'm excited. Something I do need clarification on, um, and I have asked for clarification from multiple, like from writers, you know, Parth and everybody else. Is when he's eligible. Is when. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yeah. He's, he's eligible because of his graduation status. But when does that kick in? Does it have to be the next semester? Does it roll over? When will he be ready? Because I wonder, you know, you have Clemson coming up uh, this weekend. You're going to have Virginia, Vanderbilt, Austin P to wrap up your out-of-conference schedule. Is he going to be eligible before the out-of-conference schedule is over, or are we going to be waiting till the conference the, schedule to hit to see Naquan Tomlin in actual action? The story that got posted today on ESPN says that Tomlin is expected to graduate later this week and should be eligible to play for Memphis shortly after being admitted to the school. So I but, think then he's is, got, but then there's got to be a build-up time. You're going to have to get him involved. He's going to have to understand system. Nah, throw him out there against else. Clemson. He'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> their, their best player is a big man. He'll be fine. Yeah. Throw him out there. Yeah, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, it's because I think we've seen a few people out there on uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter, say that he graduated on the 9th. I've seen that a couple of times. So there's an idea that he may be eligible now. But, uh, yeah, we've asked we've asked for people who, who are in the know. And um, speaking of that Clemson game, have we, uh, have we hit the head on how important that game is at home? Pretty important. Number 13 team in the country. And they do some things that I think will bother the Tigers. They're going to try to slow down the game a little bit. Uh, they have a guy by the name of P.J. Hall, their leading scorer, who's a big. Yeah. Who, who may complicate things. He can hoop. Um, they're not necessarily a great rebounding team. They're not necessarily a, a, a great shooting team, although Joe Girard, we've seen him at Syracuse, and even in his slow time, his short time at Clemson, he can make things happen. Um, this is going to be a really tough game for the Tigers to get over top, but I'm glad they're finally at home. Being at home in front of that crowd, there should be at least 16,000 deep, if not 18,000, maybe a potential sellout at FedEx Forum. It should be a game where the Tigers have the ability to go win it in the final minutes. The matchup predictor, if you're interested in it, has the Tigers winning the game. 64% chance. That's, that's good. A, that's a bit interesting. That's pretty the, good. The analytics like the Tigers. Yes. I, I don't mind. Uh, the analytics, though. Analytics don't tell the whole story. We know that. Um, They're very similar teams. Like When you look at their stats, I think the Tigers' defense is better than Clemson's. But they're very similar when you go and you look at the breakdown of the two teams. Right, right. Now, again, you got to guard the three-point line. You have to hit the rebound, the, the the boards hard, and you have to limit what P.J. Hall can do inside the paint. And then I think you'll be fine. But this is, this is a tough matchup. Clemson is rolling right now, 9-0, and um, and number 13 in the country. If the Tigers can get over top, there is no doubt in my mind we finally see them get a nod in the AP Top 25. And personally, if they do get this win – I don't think it should be right into the top 25. No. I think they should exceed and be a top 20, top 15 team after that I with agree. the resume they have put together. I agree. You can't dock them for those two losses as much as you praise them. for. I mean, you need to praise them more if they win this game. Four wins against those type of opponents, you need to give them more credit for that than you dock them for the two losses they've taken. Huge opportunity here. Huge. 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 Huge opportunity. Now, uh... Grizzlies had an opportunity last night against a Kyrie-less Mavs team, and they, they didn't come through. They didn't come through. They lost 120 to 113, but there's a lot of discussions to have. John Morant is getting close to coming back. What are they going to have to do with the roster? We'll address all of those questions, all those concerns, when we return on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. 
Now, a couple of house cleaning things on Tiger basketball before we move on to the Grizzlies. One, big guest alert. Tomorrow at 1 p.m. with Jason and John, it looks like Penny Hardaway will join the show. So how about that? Penny Hardaway, I, I, I doubt he'll be able to talk about Naquan Tomlin. I doubt he'll be able to talk about Jordan Brown heavily. But certainly he'll be able to talk about where this team is at and where he thinks they can head. So Penny Hardaway at 1 p.m. tomorrow. And also something I neglected to mention in that first segment is uh, David Jones has been named Oscar Robertson National Player of the Week by the U.S. Basketball Writers Association. 26 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, 3 steals, 1.5 blocks per game last week. First VCU and AM both on the road. And I have had the debate, yes, David Jones is the visible head of the snake. When he is having a good game, you feel good about where you're at. He had 36 in that Arkansas game when no one else really could really show up uh, offensively. He didn't have a whole bunch of uh, other guys with with tremendous production, but they were able to win that game because of David Jones. I have had a, a, a debate going on, though, with some people. Yeah, David Jones seems like the head of the snake, but Javon Quinterly seems to be the guy. If he is playing clean basketball, this team can win any game that they're a part of. When he's not turning the ball over, when he's comfortable from the field, when he's efficient, feels like this team moves in the right direction. But David Jones, shout out to him. Um, Oscar Robertson, National Player of the Week by the U.S. Basketball Writers Association. Now, Grizzlies last night. Grizzlies dropped to 6-16 six and 16 on the year. Um, it, it's, it's seemingly not getting a whole lot better. It will get a whole lot better here in a few games when John Morant returns. And then you have Luke Kennard and Marcus Smart following up there relatively soon. But in the meantime, 120 to 113, they lose to the Mavericks. Luka Doncic was pretty phenomenal last night, 35-8-6. and six. Um, He made things happen. He was good on the defensive end as well, for the most part. Two steals, two blocks, even though that's not really what he does. Um, my man Jaden Hardy, he's a bucket. Like He doesn't do a whole lot uh, more than that, but he's an absolute bucket. 19 points, 5 for 7 from 3. Derek Lively was lively on the boards last night, 16 points and 16 rebounds. There comes a time with Jaron. I know how good he was last night, but I want to see him. And I know he didn't spend a whole lot of time in the paint last night. I want to see him rebound better. But he was phenomenal last night. There's no, there's no denying what Jaron Jackson Jr. did, even in a loss. 41 points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks. He was all over the place. And we're finally seeing him return back revert back to where he was when John Morant went out of the lineup last year when he had to deal with the suspension. Jaron Jackson Jr. offensively is now deciding, yeah, I'm going to shoot well from the three-point line, but I'm also going to attack mismatches. I'm going to try to attack the paint. I'm going to get off the bounce. I'm going to be very good as an isolation scorer. He is definitely showing his offensive prowess at this point in the season. Yeah, it's great to see, especially you know with Ja coming back in just a few weeks or a week. With Jock coming back. Seven days, pretty much. And it's great to see Jaron playing this level of basketball right now. Yeah, you want to see him get a little bit more rebounds. But like like you said last night, he was kind of schemed to be on the perimeter a little bit more. Just rebounding as a whole for this team, it, you know, continues to be a bit of an issue. Derek Lively having 16 boards last night and kind of controlling the paint wasn't great. It was, you know, last night was an opportunity for the Grizzlies to pick up a win against the team that was down a bunch of guys uh, very similar to them. And they made it a fight at the end of the game, but unfortunately while you were watching it, it just never really felt like they were going to pull it off, did it? No, it did not. 
Not in the slightest. The 120 to 113 is a lot closer than the game actually. It's was. a bit of a it's a bit of a lie. Yes. It's a bit of a lie. They were down at 20 <laughs> points in the game. Yeah. It just it just sort of got close there at the end. Now with the with the game last night, 41 points, six for ten from three. Only Ja has more 40 point games with five plus threes in franchise history uh, over Jaron. Jaron, like as much as like it's been talked about in the past, what he is as a player, what he may not be as a player. We've seen the brilliance and the superstardom, the stardom that he can bring when Ja's back on the floor. That three-headed monster of Ja, Jaron, and Dez, if J- if Jaron is playing the uh, level of offense that we're seeing right this second, if this continues when Ja comes back, I mean, offensively, this team, it feels like the sky could potentially be the limit. It'll be, I mean, it's one of the best trios in the NBA when they're yes. all healthy. It, no question no about doubt it. about it. Because you have the defense, and then you have all three of them can go off for 40 points. On any given at any given moment, it's it's extremely dangerous, and I think the one thing with Jaron that we've seen this season is his ISO scoring is so dangerous. He yes. is a matchup nightmare. It's kind of strange, bigger... though. It goes down though when he's sort of a part of the system, when he's a, a, a guy in the pick and roll. Well, he's not a back to the basket type of scorer. He is, he is yeah. isolation and getting a screen. He can go get to the bucket. He attacks and make matchups. Happen. Yeah, he ta- he attacks but, bad matchups. But he 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 sort of. He scores as his as his own on his lonesome, right? He doesn't need a whole b- lot of help to score, but at the same time, when he's part of a of a play or a set, it seems like that that production goes down, which is strange. It's strange in itself. But I'll tell you this: when you get into playoff basketball, when you get into these massive matchups down the stretch of a game, you need guys who can score in isolation. You need guys like Jaron Jackson to go attack those matchups. So we didn't work last night, but do you want to talk about? Jaron and Santi getting the starts and just the idea of See, that. See, that's what I was going to – I think over that, I do want to start. We'll get to that. This Mac Biombo to the bench only playing 12 minutes, Jalen Noel only getting seven minutes. That is a strain. That is a different – Sort of thought. Now, Bismack has not been great lately, and Jalen Noel, you're coming up on the end of the second 10 day, and you may have to let go of him relatively soon. I, I find it strange, though, that that has completely dissipated. That is completely gone. And I don't know if the hype is still there around Bismack, Biombo, and Jalen Noel. Have they been helpers through this process? Yes. Um, Bismack's but I think been there, fine. There was definitely a, there's definitely a limit to how much they can help in games like last night against a, a decent Mavs team. Um, but yeah, no, Santi into the starting lineup. He's been rebounding relatively well. Um, last night, not so good, but, uh, Jared and Santi, I've always liked those lineups, especially on the offensive end. I think you have an anchor on the defensive end and Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, the only thing you're missing with, with Santi as opposed to biz is the rebounding that, Clearly, Sonny. has been escaping them. Santi's been crashing the boards, though. Santi's been really two, good on the boards. Two last night and, you know, not so many minutes. So there is that. But um, another thing we saw last night is Vince Williams Jr. get a get an assignment of uh, Luka Doncic, and he's been phenomenal, and he was really good last night. He was, um, as the primary defender of Luka, Luka was two for nine from the field. One for three beyond the arc, and he did not get to the free throw line. Vince Williams Jr., as much as he's gone under the radar, he's the 47th pick in the draft that he came out. I get that. As much as it feels like the Grizzlies have not given them the opportunities in the past, he's getting those opportunities. He's making the most of them. And I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. Obviously, sample size needs to grow at least a little bit. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind, Connor, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. This guy needs to at some point get his – contract converted to a full contract. Right. This is a guy who I feel confident in 
and I think the staff is starting to realize this. I feel confident in giving him 15 to 20 minutes a night, whether it be bench or, or starting. I feel confident in what he's going to bring to the table. There's intensity on both ends of the floor. He can knock down the occasional three ball. Um, but he clearly can go guard one of the, t- the, the other team's best player and do a good job. <laughs> Guarding Luka, a guy who has the size advantage on him, who's crafty as hell, to see him hold him to two for nine from the field, one for three from beyond the arc, no free throw attempts, and really get into his head. There was a back and forth. They were talking mess to each other all last night. He brings an edge that I don't know if a lot of us foresaw, but we're seeing it now. And yes, at some point, we need to convert this contract, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, Vince Williams Jr. has absolutely proven these last few weeks that he is an NBA player and deserves to be on this roster and a a part of this rotation. He is clearly, outside of Marcus Smart, the best wing defender the Grizzlies have. He has a positive impact on every single game he is in. Go look at the stats last night. He is a zero. (laughs) He's not a minus in a game that they lost. He was just a straight zero. He's knocking down threes at a pretty consistent rate right now, which you like to see. He doesn't demand the basketball on the offensive end. He goes in the flow of the game. If it gets to him, it gets to him. The biggest thing this man does is he crashes the glass like his life depends on it. And he defends like his life depends on it. And you need a dirty work guy who does this. I've said it for weeks now. He is a bigger version of DeAnthony Melton. That is what you have found in Vince Williams Jr. Melton has a bit more of an offensive bag now, but you hope that maybe Vince Williams Jr. can develop into that. I know they're probably similar in ages. I know Vince is a little bit older, but he has proven that he can be an important part of this team moving forward. And yes, he needs he deserves to have his two-way converted. I am under the belief that that is in the plans. I can't see a scenario in which this team has playoff hopes because I still think they're in the hunt for a plan. I can't see a scenario in which they would approach that and leave him off of the playoff roster yep. because that's essentially what this is. The is you convert him to guarantee that if this team makes it to the playoffs, he can play more than 50 games and he will be on he's, that he's roster. He's played 14. And I would be shocked if that's not in the plans. Yeah. They're already doing a few things that make it appear that they might be in the plans. I know that we heard yep. from that Matt Moore reported today that John Conchar and Jake LaRavia have been discussed in trade talks yes. for the Grizzlies. That is probably directly tied like, to Vince I, Williams Jr. I know Jr. people are immediately calling for Vince Williams Jr. to get that long contract. Right. But if you give him the contract right now, you have to drop somebody from the active roster. You take a cap hit. When in reality, he's played 14 of a possible 50 games so far this year. If I'm the Grizzlies, I see that and I say, okay, that's the limit we can get to. Let's keep let's keep running him out there, see what he can continue to give us as a role player. Because I, I, I am at the point with Vince Williams Jr., He's a high-level role guy in this league. He has, he has the potential to be a very, very good role player in this league. Stop treating him as anything less. If he's scoring, if he's not scoring, you still want him in the game. If he scores, it feels like a massive boost. He led the team in rebounds last night. He had three offensive rebounds at, at 6-4. We have uh, Luka Doncic, one of the best pure scorers in the NBA and best playmakers in the giving NBA, him props. giving him props after the game saying he is a great defender. Like, you can convert him to a full contract. I, 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 I Honestly, I don't have any doubts that the Grizzlies will do that. But you don't have to do it right now. Right. There's no reason to do it. You can make some consolidation moves, trade uh, Jake LaRavia, John Conchar, um, and then you have, I mean, a 36-game buffer in the regular season that you can use to your advantage for, for your roster and how you're going to build your roster, and, and then you can make the decision to convert his contract. And it does feel, based on the production, 
And, and the way they've been using him, it feels like the front office and the staff are on the same page about keeping him on this team long-term and converting him to the active roster. Like, right. I don't have a lot of doubts about their thoughts on Vince Williams Jr. at this point. In my opinion, they are trying to figure out a way to have him on this roster without having to cut anybody with future money. Because that's it, that's essentially what we're doing. Like. Because it would it, ma- it would make you, no he does with a thirty six. But here's the thing: with a thirty six game buffer, it would make no sense to just convert him and cut somebody with right. a cap hit. It's well, just no, exactly, and that's it's it, that is exactly the conversation that's happening right now. There's no doubt about it that Vince Williams Jr. has earned a spot in the NBA and a non two way contract. There's no doubt about it. I, it's I think he showed signs last year of it. This year, he has certainly done it. We are now approaching a large enough sample size to be like, this is real. <laughs> and like yes. when Luka Doncic is like, hey, that guy is like one of the better defenders in the NBA, you listen to him. You know, you listen to that type of player and what he has to say. But you have 50 games. You have 50 games to see what he is. And let's be honest about it. You also want to see what he looks like with the with the healthier yes. version of this team. And, and I want this to marinate with people. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that at some point with the way we've seen Vince Williams Jr. play, and I know it's small sample size. I get that. Let it marinate. I'll and I'm not it. saying it's I know immediate. You're about to say it. Come on, Gabe. This could be a starting wing for this team. Could be a starting wing for this it's team. It's possible. And think about the defensive lineups that you could run out there with Jer- if Steven gets healthy, Steven, Jaron, Vince Williams, Marcus Smart, whatever it is. Think about the defensive lineups you could run out there consistently if Vince Williams is one of your main perimeter defenders. Right. Because let's say that you're cutting Junior for biz. Then you would have to cut somebody with future money, or you would have to cut Xavier Tillman. And I just I'm not sure. They're ready to cut Xavier Tillman for Vince Williams. And I don't Jr. think right it now. makes sense to take so any type of if you it, have a cap casualty when you have thirty six games of buffer. Well, so and it's also you also approach the the sick and apron, which I'm not super smart about. The, but I know it's not good. <laughs> you don't, yeah, right. you know, I know it's not good to be approaching it, especially when you're a team that is trying to maybe make a splashier signing or a trade later on this offseason or around the deadline. So waiting just allows you to figure out your your healthy wing rotation. You can s- consolidate your roster. And you can still convert him in around February when he probably hits his limit of games so that he can be – he's not going to hit restricted free agency. He'll be on the playoff roster, and he's going to probably get a minimum deal. You also maybe have the team sitting there saying right now, we need to see how much money this guy's going to be owed because if he – you know, so let's see what he looks like with the roster. I understand everybody wanting him to be converted right now. It just doesn't make sense yet. It will 100% make sense no, in a few it, months. No, it, it, and, and, no, and two months, it'll make here's sense. Here's the way I'll put but it. right now, yes. wait. Yes. <laughs> you just you don't have there. to do it right now. Exactly. It makes sense. He, You've I, got plenty I, of time. I don't have any real There's no reason concerns. to do it right now. <laughs> I don't have any real concerns that he will get converted. Right. I think, without question, the Grizzlies see what we see, and he will get converted. But right now... There's not a you don't have to press that button. Don't you do don't anything have to do that. That makes it more difficult to maybe make a consolidation move. Exactly. Exactly. And don't it just when it comes to dealing with your your cap space and how you're how you're paying guys, there's no reason to take any type of cap casualty or cap hit 
um, and cutting a guy just to convert a guy when you don't need to convert him for 36 more games. And listen, if we hit that game limit and he doesn't get a converted contract, then, we can meet outside the forum and protest. That, I was going to say, that Those, is... A, that, I, will, I will lead the honest. island of Vince Williams Let, Jr. to the front steps let, let's be of honest. the FedEx forum if, if he doesn't get converted. If that happens, Connor, if that happens, Connor, <laughs> that's malpractice. And yeah, that loses a guy like Zach Kleiman time. I don't think frankly. that will happen. I don't think that would happen, though, because I think they see what we see. It's hard not to see what we see. It's not a coincidence that the Grizzlies have played better all of the sudden when Vince Williams Jr. has been a big part of this rotation. That's not a coincidence. He hasn't had under 15 minutes since November 29th, or no, since uh, November 26th against Minnesota. Pretty good. He's getting 15 to 20 minutes a night. And he should be. You know exactly what he's going to be and what he is. Um, And also, I think, you know, with these 36 extra games, you can get the, you can get a better feel. You can get a better feel of what he'll look like 50 games into a season. I think it's easy to 14 games into a season, or not. I'm not going to say easy, but it's easy to relatively easy to make your your mark felt 14 games into a season. But as you start to get those nicks and bruises, what? as you start to uh, people start to figure you out, see you on film then it may get a little bit tougher. But Vince Williams is going to have – I think they should go all the way up to those 50 games in the regular season, see what they have, and then ultimately convert them then. The reason I have confidence in this sample size that we have with him this season is the things he does, you can't you can't stop that from watching tape on him. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. effort. It's defense. Yeah. It's rebounding. Those are the things that he does well. Creating chaos. The dirty work. But still, what's what's another? I mean, thirty six well, games. What see, I'm saying see though what is it like, looks like thirty games. Those into don't his just career. like go away. It's not right. like it's I not agree. like he's like on a hot shooting streak. You yes. know, he's playing really good defense. He's rebounding and he's causing he's an elite chaos role player out there. Right now. He's he's doing the role player things. And the good news is for Grizzlies fans, and I think the Grizzlies is that's not just going to disappear. It's not like we're going to look up one day and be like, oh, Vince Williams Jr. can't defend anybody. Like he just. He just went up against Luka and did a damn good job. That doesn't go away overnight. It's not like a hot shooting streak, which we've seen kind of with Jalen Noel. He's had nights where it's like, oh, Jalen Noel, he's a, he looks like the wing. And then, you know, he had nights like last night when he just wasn't great or nights that he's had a few times. So that's kind of what I, that's the difference between the two of them, I think, is one of them is doing it on the offensive end and there's some inconsistency there. And then one of them is just showing up and doing the dirty work every, every night. night. And, and you know that's going to be two to three shots or two four three shots, shots a night. Yeah, he's like, I, give me give me. Four and I'm fine. He had four shots, ten points. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing about the sample size, if you can't tell, I'm a big fan of Vince Williams Jr. I have been. I think. I think. I I've think been everybody's on the Vince Williams Jr. train. The island is huge. The island. We've had. We've had to. We've had to buy more land. I'll say that. What's been good about it is, you know, I have been on the. I think this guy has a role in the NBA for for a minute, for a now, while, for yeah. a while now. But what I was waiting to see is he he's not playing outside of himself. He's playing within the game. He's slowing it down. He used to play very fast and dribbling a whole bunch, and he was turning the ball over. What's been nice about this sample size is he has been playing within the game, within the team. He's creating chaos, but he's not turning the ball over by doing it. He's letting yep. things come to him, and he is forcing things and to happen because of his effort. defending some, right. of, some of the toughest assignments every night without fouling. That's hard to do. That's hard it to do. It is hard man. to do. Yeah, his fouls are down, his turnovers are down. Thumbs up. It's there. It's there. Um now when you talk about the 50 games and then, you know, converting his contract for playoff time, I'm curious about playoffs at this point. I I, I am. I think that they're going to be substantially better. This is, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say they'll be substantially better with John Morant, Marcus Smart, and Luke Kennard back in the lineup. But 
I am curious now six games out of the 10 spot, seven and a half games out of the six spot, what it's going to look like. Because ultimately, uh, I heard Jeffrey Wright make this point a little bit earlier on Giannotto and Jeffrey. When, when Steven Adams was out last year, they, they, and don't, don't fool yourself, there's still a, a massive need in the front court that they don't have filled. Biz has done a decent job. He can't do the full job of, of Steven Adams. But when they have been winning 60% of their games, like they're going to have to do, uh, you know, once Ja and Marcus Smart and Luke Kennard come back to, to save their playoff hopes, um, when they've been doing that, they've had Steven Adams out there. They've had Brandon Clark out there. And when Steven Adams was out last year, if you include playoffs, it was a 21 and 22 ball club. 21 and 22. They were losing, they were not winning 60% of their games. They were losing more games than they won. So how many I of still those have, are Ja playing? I still have. That's a good point as well. I still have questions about sure. what they're going to look like. I think they can get into the plan. I'm not going to even come close to saying they're going to uh, pace themselves into no. the top six seed. I feel like that's almost that's completely lost. But I think they can pace themselves in the play-in. But I still am curious. I still yeah, am curious. They're, I mean, they're absolutely. They're, here's the thing. We're talking about Vince Williams Jr. like he was a gift from God. That's how the season's <laughs> yes. going right now. Like, yeah. You know, that's where we are. It, it's okay to be honest about it. The Grizzlies will be hanging around. I think they'll hang around and they'll have a shot to be in the play-in. I don't know what that looks like. I don't think they'll approach the sixth seed. That's That would mean that they would be winning a lot. Can they win 60% of their games after Ja comes back? Maybe. I don't know. We we have to see what it looks like. I know that Desmond Bain's much better on the offensive end, and he's better defensively. Yep. I know that Jared Jackson Jr. is leveled offense. up. John Moran adding to this team is he, if he's the twenty-seven, eight, and six type of guy that we know he can be. I don't know. They might be able to get it done. You don't. I I don't know. Is there a move that they make? Does a team in front of them get hurt? There's a lot of yes. variables. I agree with you though. I think they will be in the mix. They'll be in the mix because also there's no reason to tank. It's not like there's yeah. a reason for this team to tank, and they're not going to tank. They have too much talent. They got too many competitors on that team to do that. So why not? Why the hell not? It's just strange. Like with all these teams in the play-in right now, the Rockets have been substantially better, and they're they're pacing the season relatively well. They're eleven and nine. The Clippers, we know at peak, they are one of the better teams in the Western Conference. The Suns are getting Bradley Beal back. Mm-hmm. They're they're in the nine spot. The Pelicans just had their best performance of the year from Zion after you know Stephen A. Smith called him fat. Everybody's doing that whole thing. I want to see this continue to be who he is. He had thirty six points last night. It's just hard for me to imagine them lapping and passing up all these I mean, yeah. teams along the way. These are good teams that we're talking about yeah. in the play in. Western Conference is, Maybe. Is, is, is improved and very solid this year. It is, without a doubt. It's also why the Grizzlies are still hanging around, though, because right. it's so good. The teams have to play each other. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, right. And I don't expect the Rockets to pace this way the rest of the season. I just don't. They're a younger group. I, I feel like at some point in the, at this season they, they may not be great. And, again, the, one of these teams is going to get hurt. It's going to happen. Somebody's yeah. going to get injured. They may not make it, but I think that they're going to be hanging around, and why the hell not? They got the guys to do it. Go make a run. If you don't make it, you don't make it.